on. Take a seat. Namahi, o te whare o te atua, o te ranganui e kiwa. Kia koutou, kia koutou, kia koutou katoa. Greetings to you all in the wonderful name of Jesus. It's so good to be here. You're like Fano. You are Fano, actually, not like Fano. You are Fano, yeah, yeah. And uh, hey, thanks. Nga toa, a te atua, Dave and Kate, warriors of God. And also great to see, um, not Dave, Mike. And enjoy, good to see you guys, our dear friends and companions in the front lines. So good to be with you guys. And so good to be back here with you guys again. I think it was about two, a couple of years or last time I was down here. Had a great time then and just a really, yeah, you just, this is a legacy house. It's a, a house of legacy. It's a house that we came down to in 1995, 90, yeah, around about 94, 95. And there's an open heaven over this place and we heard about it. And, and because of the apostolic anointing upon, uh, upon Mike, opened up the heavens, allowed a prophetess to come into this nation, Jill Austin. And uh, we came down, we heard about the meetings, we came down and you know, we couldn't believe what we saw. And, uh, but it was just so inspired us and we're just a fledging little church, we only, we're only four years old at that time and we're, going, we're having a type of revival. Um, yeah, but when we, we met back up there, we were encouraged by what we saw happening here. We were encouraged by what God was doing in this house and just the impact it was having in the nation and the nations of the earth. And we went back, and that just helped us, encourage us on our journey. So it's a house of legacy that you've sown into our lives. You've sown into us, whether you know it or not, this house has, and your ministry here. So we honor the house. We honor the, uh, the, the deep owner of the house, and we honor the warriors of this house in Jesus' name. Jess, like the same. Just hello from Gisborne, House of Breakthrough. They always love it when we come here, and not that they're trying to get rid of us or anything, but uh, <laughs> they just um, they know about you. They've, a lot of them have been here at some time or other, and it's just lovely to come in the door and you know some of the people. It's really, really awesome. And also to be met with a 96-year-old that asks me if I've got my ticket, and uh, I'd like to say, yes, I do, and I'm really glad. <laughs> And um, I've already put that on Facebook. I think that's really awesome. It's delightful. I just, um, I'm short and sweet in every way. My words, my looks, the lot. So I'll hand it over to Norm. Thanks, babe. <laughs> well, that's awesome. You know, have you ever seen a dog that meet, meets its, or a little pup and it greets it, see its master and it runs around and it shakes and doesn't know whether it'll jump or sit? Or, I feel like that when I'm in the presence of God. I don't know whether to cry or laugh or jump or just the presence of God. And I just feel that this here. And, and um, as I was just standing there worshipping, I, I, my hands in certain places, I've noticed that my hands get oily. And I looked at it and the oil began to form in my hands. And I only get that in a few churches. And I'm not trying to be patronising and say, hey, it's just this church. What I am saying in the presence of God, I know his presence. And wherever I go, and there's just oil beginning to form on my hands. And, uh, and what it says to me, of that, that, that there's oil. Your hands are anointed to serve God in this city, in this house and in this city. And uh, I saw an open heaven over this place and a deep well underneath. And the deep wells to be unplugged. And, and, and it's by decree of Ehu, by decree of Jesus. He, uh, he, he determines plans and purposes for us as individuals. Amen? We know that without any doubt. Before we were born, he knew us. Before we came out of our mother's womb, he had destined a purpose and a plan for each one of us as individuals. Also for our households, for our fuddy. The house of David, the, the house of Jehoshaphat. Every household, God's got a plan for your household. He's got a plan for your house. 
Okay? But he's also got plans for households of faith. And in Revelations, there are seven different households and Jesus spoke to. He's got a plan for every household, for every church in this nation, every church in this city. And he's got a special plan for this house. And no one else can fulfill that plan because it's, it's ordained by God, by Ehu. He's got a plan for us up at Dairafiti, House of Breakthrough. And it's what we're called to do. We're to be faithful in fulfilling that plan up there. You're to be faithful in fulfilling your plan down here. But together we form the body of Christ. And, and as there's this, this kingdom unity, there's this kingdom synergy beginning to happen in our nation, which is really, really wonderful. And denominationalism is dead. It's not denominationalism, it's relational. It's not denominational, it's relational. It's always relational, always was, always will be. It's sons and daughters of the living God under one king, King Itangahihu Karaiti. And so I just wanted to put that out there. Now, I'm just going to talk to you. you know, I'm just going to share, just talk and just share some stuff that's happening in, in my life, but it's also relative. I, feel, I believe this is the best message I can give ever. And it's about connecting relationship with Jesus. And I want to talk about the law of first truth. And uh, the law of first truth, when God mentions something for the first time in the Bible, usually it holds gravity for all of eternity. And when God speaks about relationship with man, the first time we read about relationship with man is in Genesis 1 right through to 3. And uh, I'm not going to teach or go through a lot of scriptures. I'm just going to share from the heart. But the, the, the first mention of man and God was that God created a garden, put his presence in it, and then... Amen. Amen, I agree. <laughs> and he put his presence. Who loves the presence of God? Yeah, you'd be... Yeah, the presence, man. With, without his presence, we've got nothing. Honestly, those songs, I just love those songs. It's so real. What, what have we got without his presence? Without him, we're nothing. You know? You can have programs. But you know what? People don't gather to programs because there's a better program down the road. They'll join that. But they gather to his presence. <clears throat> they gather to his presence. And uh, in Gisborne, what we're doing is what God wants you to do here. And that is that. Amen. Amen. How do you turn that thing off? <laughs> That's okay. <clears throat> it's like there's angels in the room. <laughs> gather to his presence. Gather to his presence. See, so like, as I said, we're building something in Gizzi. You guys are building something here. Others are, but it's really the same thing. And what Solomon did, oh, Solomon built something for God in his time in history. He built something for God. It was so magnificent. It attracted the presence of God. And then people gathered to that which he built for God. Even the Queen of Sheba came. He built a temple. He built a house for God. But he didn't build it for the people. He built it for? Yeah. And God, when he dedicated the temple, God inhabited it. He just, boom, he just turned up. We're building a house at the moment. Me and Jess, we're building a house up in Gizzi. And it's a couple of more weeks we should be moving in. But I tell our people, look, when we have a house built, it's just an empty house. It's just a building. I mean, that's all it is. It's just a building. But our kids and our mokopuna and, and our people and our friends, they're going to come and visit that house when we're in it. They don't visit it at the moment because we're not in it. They're going to come and visit us. People don't visit a house. Why would you go and visit an empty house? You don't build a temple. To build an empty temple, you don't build a church. Just have an empty church. So we're building a house so that we can inhabit it, and our presence will be in that house, and it's our presence that will gather our tamariki, will gather our mukapuna, it will gather our friends. They will come because our presence is in the house. And the analogy is the same. 
that, that we're building a house. You're building a house for his presence. Because when you build a house for his presence, the people gather to his presence. And uh, you've got to have programs, but, if the pro- if, but the programs must facilitate the presence. If there's no presence, it's just a dead program. If there's no presence of God, it's just a building full of people meeting. If there's no presence, it's just a beautiful-looking temple. But when the presence is in it, oh. And so going back to the Genesis, back to the garden, so God creates a garden and he puts it, you know, his presence is there because he's everywhere. He's you know, the Holy Spirit, omnipresent. And then God calls Adam and Eve, no my heart anyway, come. And he talks with them. Every day in the cool of the evening, and we read in Genesis 3, the cool of the day, the Lord walked through the garden, and, and he called Adam, where are you? Now, when God asks a question, it's pretty dangerous because he knows the answer. But it wasn't where are you physically, where are you relationally? And, um, but what we can surmise from that is that every day, Adam and Eve and, and God would meet. They would commune together. Kōrero. Fellowship. Yeah? You with me? And so every day... Adam would come and have a have a court it all with, with Jesus and and then and that's the primary purpose we were created for. Every human being was created for the primary purpose of having a daily communion with the presence of God. You're created to have daily communion with the presence of God. A fish is designed to to, to swim. A bird's designed to fly. A bird can't can't uh, swim and a fish can't fly because it's outside of its design. And humans are designed to have fellowship with the presence, supernatural presence of God on a daily basis. On a daily basis. Give us this day our daily bread, Jesus said. Not our monthly, not our weekly. And on a daily basis, Adam would meet with God. And when Adam met with God, he had perspective of who he was. He knew he was a son of God. And when he looked upon the earth, he saw the animals were below him. He had perspective. Because he knew he is not created from the monkeys. He's created by the hand of God. And all across our world, we're getting taught in universities that man is created from the monkeys. And they're being taught by educated fools who have no connection with the presence of God. And so when you're in the presence of God, you have connection of who you are. You have connection and you understand your identity and your purpose. But the primary purpose God created you and me for is to connect with his presence on a daily basis. If you're not doing that, you're out of design. If you're not doing that, you'll, you'll feel distant from God. If you're not doing that, you'll lose your perspective in this world, in this life. And so Adam's first uh, primary purpose, connect with God, with the supernatural principle. On a daily basis, would you say daily? daily? Daily basis. Secondly, he was created to tend the garden. He was created to go down there and achieve things in the world. He was created to subdue and take dominion. So the secondary purpose man's created for is to achieve. We're all called to do something. Ephesians 2.10, we're created for good works in Christ Jesus, which he prepared beforehand. Before we were born, God had created Adam to do stuff. Okay, So Adam's down there naming the animals and doing his stuff. But at the end of the day, he'd go back up and commune with God. Get his perspective. Next day, he's down there doing his mahi, doing all his mahi. Then back up there, communing with God, getting perspective, son of God, identity. Back out there and the next day, mahi. But you know what happens? He disconnected from communing with God. And he came and he started focusing on all his mahi. In fact, he got so caught up with his mahi and with his wife, he began to listen to his wife's perspective. And he began to listen to the devil's perspective. And he began to listen to his own perspective. And the very presence that he loved and he adored, suddenly when it called out to him, Adam, he feared the very presence, and he lost perspective. I'm telling you, if you're spending more time in your marriage, more time on your family, more time on your ministry, more time on your workplace, more time on your sport, more time on your, on your, on your recreation, 
and not no time put the presence of God. You're, you're operating out of design and your loose perspective. I know what people gather around to when I go to a church. Oh, weather's great. Oh, this is good. This is good. I've been to churches and you should have too. Where <clears throat> all the young people, all they're talking about is God. I went to a cafe once and they had Bibles open and they're having Bible studies and talking about God before they go into the church itself. You know what they're gathering around? You know what their perspective is? It's not their work. It's not the latest iPod. It's not the latest this and that. It's God. It's God. Powerful, powerful. And, um, and so what we gather to becomes our perspective. If it's work, all people talk about is work, work, work. What about God? Uh, oh, yep. We clip God on on Sunday. <laughs> we clip God on on Sunday. And so first thing is the perspective comes only from the presence of God on a daily basis. And when we're in that presence of God on a daily basis, God, the overflow comes into our mahi, the overflow into our marriage, into our family, into our, into our sport, and into our ministries. There's the overflow. That doesn't, our, our achievement, our doing, achieving things, it doesn't give us a sense of significance. You know that? What gives you and me significance? You already, I'm preaching to the converted. Significance is, is a state of being, sonship, identity. It's not what we do, it's who we are. God doesn't love you for what you do. You know, God loves you for who you are. You ever wondered why he loved you? Because it says he loved us before we, were, before we were Christians. I used to think God only loves those when you become a Christian, but he doesn't. He loved us while we were yet sinners. I mean, why would you love me? You love me because you clothe me now with righteousness? They said, no, I loved you before I clothed you. You're accepted now through my son. You had to repent of my, your sin. But I, always, I loved you before then. What did you love about me? You should ask God that question today. What, what, did you, what do you love about me? Ask any parent or grandparent, what do they love about their mukul, their child? They'll tell you. Just love them. Their unique personality. Just who they are. Just love them. And that's your God. What does he love about you? He just loves you. He loves your unique personality. He loves you. It's a beautiful thing. <clears throat> And, and to know that, that gives significance. That gives a sense of confidence and identity. Go out there doing the mahi. Ah, it's secondary. The overflow is in my work, in my ministry. But the danger is in trying to find significance through our ministry. Trying to find significance in our work. Trying to find significance in who we are by what we do, by what we achieve. But significance comes from who we are. Significance is a state of being, not a state of doing. Achieving is a state of doing. Significance is a state of being. And I tell you what, humans lose their perspective when they neglect to spend time in the presence of God on a daily basis. Because only he can tell me, and only he can tell you this. I'm telling it now, but it's just me. I'm just giving information. (laughs) But when you hear it from God, it's revelation. changes your life. Amen? So... In 1991, God called me to and Jess to and Kelly and, and Tan to Gisborne to build a church. And He said, "I want you to build a church." And and you know, if I ask you what what what, what the question is, what what is a church built for? What is the purpose of building a church? And you know, be well to reach the lost, to heal the broken, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's right, it is. It's not a trick question. But in, in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. God said to Moses, build me a house or a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. He said, who build, me, build who a house? Build me a house. Build the tabernacle. 
Moses built a house, so to speak, for God, for his presence. And the people gathered to the presence. And the people followed the presence by day and by night. Yeah? It's a principle I'm pointing out here. And then, and, 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 uh, uh, 2 Chronicles 7, one, And Solomon and the people, not just Solomon, the people. It's not just me and Jess, it's, it's our people. It's not just Dave and Kate, it's the people. It's us all. Let us build him a house. Let us build him a house. And so when Solomon and the people built the house, finally they dedicated it not to be filled with the people. They didn't have to queues of people, the tickets to come and say, oh, marvelous house, marvelous. They built the house and they says, it's yours, God. And then God filled the house with his glory that the priest could not stand to minister. The house is built for the glory of God's presence. Then let's go to the New Testament, Acts chapter um, 2, verse 1 to 4. God doesn't dwell in buildings anymore. Aye. He dwells in these temples. The body, the human body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in our hearts. So individually, I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. Corporately, join with you, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You got it? You tracking with me? We are the house of God. I am the house of God individually. We are the house of God corporately. Now, why would God build a house? Why did God ask Moses and Solomon to build him a house, a temple, that it might be filled with his glory? So why are we born again? Why are we brought to Christ? Why do we have a physical temple that it might be filled with his glory? Because people gather to the presence. And so in the book of Acts, these 120 temples, they were hanging out, communing with God. See the principle of communing with God. Not out there doing their mahi. Not out there trying to reach the lost. Not out there trying to minister to the social economic needs, the cultural political needs. Not trying to change society. Not extending even the kingdom at that point in time. They knew they designed first to do what Jesus is. Wait in Jerusalem till you receive power from on high. Just wait in Jerusalem till you receive the promise of the Father. And so they were just having corridor with God. Just communing with God. And then on the day of Pentecost, those 120 temples, like, on the, like in Solomon's temple, on the day it was dedicated, the day the temple was dedicated, God filled it with his glory. Woohoo! And on the day of Pentecost, 120 temples were filled with the glory of God. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Tongues of fire upon them. And they spoke in other languages. The Spirit gave utterance to them. And what happened? People, 3,000 gathered to the presence of God. 3,000 gathered to that house of God. 3,000 people gathered. The principle is this. God says, build me a house in Gisborne for my presence. Honor my presence. Adore my presence. Make it a house that I seek out. Make it a place that I want to dwell in. And if I dwell in your house, I will gather the people. The people will gather to my presence. When Jesus is in the house, the house is full. The house is always full. And I'm not saying he's not in this house. He's in this house, but there's a new season that you're in. There's an open heaven and a deep well under this whenua. And that the... What the Philistines used to do to get rid of uh, the, the people that would come into their land is that they would fill the well with dirt. And dirt speaks of the flesh. The spirit and the flesh war against each other. And the dirt would go into the well and would block the well up. And so that people couldn't drink the purity. I was at a church recently and I had this word for them and I said, I see this big well and I see that, uh, 
So 40 years ago, there was a river flowing out of this well. It was touching the nation, but it's been filled with dirt. And, it, and what I saw was, for this church, not, that, not this church, this other church, that humanistic teaching came in, and it, it, it interfered, and it, and it polluted the purity of the Holy Spirit. Because we're building a church with no agendas, only the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. And, uh, and that it polluted this church polluted the river, sorry, in, in this house, and it's, it's blocked the wells. But the good news is, Jesus says that the stone is to be removed away, that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. He says, I want to unblock this well, and it's not dependent on the pastors or the leaders, it's dependent upon the house of God, that every one of us who are living wells, and we can remove any hindrance, we can get any Philistine out of our hearts, and let that river of living water flood out of us again. There's a new day coming for Bay City Outreach Center. There's a new day here. There's an open heaven over you. And there's a, a deep well beneath you that wants to be untapped and let the river of life flow in a, a far greater way than you've ever seen. This place will be too small to, to contain that which God is about to pour out. Hallelujah. So we go to Gisborne. We build this house for God and, and people start coming along. And we had never been to Gisborne in our lives. We didn't know anybody, but in the first few um, uh, the first four years it grew to, excuse me, I'm just timing myself, so. The first few years, four years actually, we grew to 500 people. And that was 90% non-safe people from the streets. And what did they gather to? Not my, I was the worship team, <laughs> my guitar. It wasn't the worship, it wasn't the programs, we didn't have any. It was just me and Jess and my kids. It was a presence. I remember a lady sitting in the front, and she wasn't even a Christian. And uh, she was going to get cancer cut out of her stomach the next day on the Monday. She went. To, she said when she sat there, she wouldn't come forward. But I said, well, the presence of God is here anyway. So I just spoke, spoke out the presence of God, the healing presence. She went to the doctor, got cut open. They found no trace of cancer, sewed her back up. About uh, several months later, she went back to the doctor, said that swelling's come back. Hang on, swelling's come back. Uh, it's come back again. So he examined her. He says, no, it's not cancer. You're pregnant. She's had three children since. Um, I remember arthritics would come and sit there and walk out without their sticks. Lil would come and I remember Lil, she came and hobbling along. I said, do you like three legs or two? She says, I want two. I says, well, God gave you two. And I prayed for her. She went down under the power, came up, walked out with a stick over her shoulder, went home. Nana goes home, comes, comes to church with a stick, goes home with no stick, and tells the whanau about Jesus. And so the whanau come to church the next Sunday, gets saved. I pe- they gather to the presence. And where the presence of God is, that's what happens. That's normal stuff. God is in our midst, the presence of God. Um, I could go on and on about people who are miraculously healed just sitting in the services without anyone touching them because of the presence of God where Jesus is. I love the Holy Spirit. He's just so kind. He's just so caring and so willing to be accessed. His love and mercy is so willing to be accessed. He's right here. He's right now. Right now. And uh, he's the anchor of your soul. Like Dave was saying, he's the anchor of your soul. Storms come and go. That's life. But when you've got an anchor in the place of stability, that anchor is communion with him on a daily basis. It's your personal relationship with Jesus on a daily basis. He's your tonga. He's your treasure. His presence is all. He's all you've got, really. One day we're all going to die, end up in a box or whatever. And all that we've done, all our mahi, is going to mean Nothing. Nothing. The only thing that means anything is his presence and our relationship with him. That's the only thing. It's the only thing. See, in heaven, 24 elders, they sit around on their thrones around the throne of God, 
and whenever praise time comes, they go nuts. They jump off their thrones, take their crowns off, which represents achievements and accomplishments, and they throw them along the the sea to the the sea of glass and to the throne of God, and they fall on their faces and say, worthy, worthy, worthy. What we did was nothing compared to your presence. Our position on a throne means nothing compared to your presence. You are holy. You are the treasure. You are the tongue of your presence. I love. That's what they do in heaven. Praise time in heaven's pretty wild. And I thought, oh, I'm going to do that one day, Jesus. He says, you don't have to wait a whole lifetime to come to heaven to do that. You don't have to wait a lifetime to worship me like that. You can do that here on the earth. You know, there's got to be no sin offering, no trespass offering, no burnt offerings to give to God in heaven. But the only offerings that will still be given to God in heaven are the free will offerings. The free will offerings. Now, a free will offering is what you give of your own free will. And God says, you're going to, these 24 elders, that's a free will offering. And he says, you can do the free will offering here on the earth today. Because the atmosphere of the earth is not like heaven. And heaven, when they do this, it's easy. Because there's no sin. There's no devil. There's no precious. It's just natural. But here on the earth, we live in an atmosphere of sin. We live in an atmosphere of there's devils. We live in an atmosphere where there's trials and tests and tribulations that try to distract us from him and from his purpose for us. So when God sees his people down here take their crowns off and go before him and cast them before God and say, you are worthy, worthy, worthy. He says, look at that, 24 elders. These fellas on the earth, look at the circumstance they're in, and they're doing exactly the same as you do up here in the perfection of heaven. God loves your worship. God loves your adoration. God loves your appreciation and your, and your thanksgiving. God loves your gratefulness when you bring it before him and just say, you're worthy, Lord. You're all I want. You're all I need. God loves that. And if you live like that, <laughs> you're building a house. You're, you're building a life that the Holy Spirit kind of seek out. You're building something that is attracting God. Young people, you know, our young people, they want to attract the, obviously we don't teach this, but you know, young people, they do themselves up to trying to look attractive. And, mm, does my butt look bigger than that? <laughs> you know how it is. Spend your time looking attractive for God. Spend your time looking attractive for God and, and being attractive to Him. And what attracts Him is not just a broken heart, but a, a heart of love, a heart that communes Him. Adam, where are you? He just loved hanging out with his boy. He just loved hanging out with his girl. And he just loves hanging out with you. To build a church that God seeks out. That's, what I'm, that's my ambition. Build a church that God seeks out. Because his presence gathers the people. And I want my city to be a city sought out, not forsaken. In order for that to happen, I've got to build something for God in my city that he'll seek out. Same thing for you fellas, eh? So I want to do something for God no one else is doing. Now, this isn't in a competitive sense. It's not that no, I want to be one up on you. It's not about that or no, hear my heart. I want to do something for God no one else is doing. It's beautiful. Do you know you can do something for God that no one else is doing? Now, it's a secret thing. It's a personal thing. It's an intimacy thing. There's a lot of people who've got agape love for God. A lot of people have filio love for God. But euros love, it's not just sexual, but euros is an intimacy that you don't tell anyone else. It's just between you and your God. And to do something for God that no one else is doing in secret, he shows up publicly. And so we're teaching our house, let's us build a house for God in Te that attracts the presence of God so much that he shows up, whether we're individually through the week or we come together on Sunday, he shows up. And when he shows up, the people gather to his presence. 
We've been doing this for about six weeks. And just in six weeks, we've seen an amazing change. Some amazing miracles. I haven't got time to go through the cancers. And uh, one cancer in particular, just off the scale, given not months, not years, months, but days. On a scale of 10, she was on 10 in pain. Intravenous morphine. Told by the doctor, there's a huge tumor on your pancreas. There's a spot on your liver. And your lungs are so clogged up, we can't see through them in the x-ray. They did a biopsy. Took her over, took her the biopsy. But before she had a biopsy done, I went up after church and prayed over this dear lady. And I didn't know what was happening when I was praying. She didn't let on. But she said, when you, she said this wind blew through her body, this warm wind. And she said, the pain went instantly. First time for days and then she said I, she felt like she was floating on, on the bed and um, so I left she went over and had the biopsy came, done came back, doctor called her and said bring your family member with you and she did and he says we've done two tests under microscope, we've taken the biopsy results, we've looked under them, we've examined them there's, so we don't understand it but there's no trace of cancer in, in, in you number two, the x-ray shows the tumour's disappeared, there's only debris floating around we don't know what's happened to it. The lungs are clear, and there's no spot on your liver, and your bowel duct's clear. We have no idea what's happened. She says, I do. It's Karakia. <laughs> it's my God. <laughs> he, and he acknowledged it. has to be. Telling, That's Jesus. And um, last week I got a, I got a text uh, from the family members says, uh, from the surgeon has uh, said, to, you no longer have pancreas cancer. You're completely clear. This is from the specialist, from the surgeon. And that's just one of the many things. See, that's not the glory. The glory's him. The glory's his presence. I, I don't look to make that happen. I look to him. And that wherever I go, there, there's, there's a presence. There's his presence. His presence on me. His presence on my people. Margie just went up the coast because there's a, a man. He is, um, he's diagnosed with cancer and he days to live. And his son tried to commit suicide the same night. So she went up there, I and mean, she went up in warfare. She got up there and got the text back, amazing. The man's out of his, the man with cancer's out of his bed and eating like a horse, and the sun has calmed down. I mean, you carry this. We carry his presence. We carry his presence. We all carry his presence, but you've got to connect with it on a daily basis. You've got to commune with him. And, and, and Adam got perspective of who he was. You're a son. You're not a monkey. When you go back in into the, into, to do your mahi, remember who you are. You're a son of God. And your shadow can heal sick people. And I, you carry my presence. The Holy Spirit is in you. There's one thing to have God with us. It's another thing to have God in us. But it's an even a greater thing to have God flowing through us. With, in, and through. Colossians 1.27, the greatest gift is this, that it's no longer Christ just with us. No longer it is Christ just in us. It is Christ that flows through us. And you shall lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. And these things that I do, you will do also in greater works, because I've gone to the Father to send the Holy Spirit. He's here. He's here. I'm not going to talk much more. I've got a lot to say, but um, you were designed to spend time in the presence, the supernatural presence of God on a daily basis. That is your design. Secondly, you're designed to achieve. Be the best husband, the best wife, the best mother, the best father, the best grandparent. Be the best son or daughter. If you want to draw God's presence, pick your clothes up, kids. Do the dishes when you're asked. Show honor to God by showing honor to mum and dad. You want to show honor to God? What does honor look like to God? It honors mum and dad. What is it for a parent? The parent uh, takes responsibility for the children. Honoring God means honoring one another. Loving God means loving one another. Amen. <clears throat> Have you ever heard of Obed-Edom? Yeah. He built a house and 
he built a house for God. Well, he didn't actually build a house at all. He had a house. And God put his presence, God's presence was put in his house. Do you know for over 20 years, the presence of God was not manifest in Israel until the day of Obed-Edom's house? Do you know that? The history shows. For 20 years, the presence of God was dishonored. Even, by the, even David, he didn't intentionally dishonor. He loved God and his life was an act of worship to God. But even David, and it wasn't until the presence was put in the, in the household of Obed-Edom that it was heard all around the nation within a three-month period, God has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertains to him. The manifest presence of God was being manifested through a man's house, a Gittite. They're not sure whether he is even a Hebrew. They thought he might have been a descendant of the Philistines, a Gittite, and others say that, no, he was a descendant of the Levites, and who cares, but the point of the matter is, he was doing something to the presence of God that no one else was doing, and all the nation of Israel for 20 years. He was doing something in the presence that activated the manifest presence of God so that news got around the nation, even to the king's house. Hey, God showed up at Obed's house. What up with that? Next minute, David's down there. <laughs> What's up? Now, I haven't got time to go through the whole thing, but if you track the history, you'll see there's been 20 years of familiarity and disrespect to the presence of God. Priests, instead of honoring the presence, despising the presence. And therefore, what, how the priests treated the presence, it flowed on down to the attitude of the people. Uzzah, the guy who died, he was a priest. He was, a, he was an apprentice priest. His dad was the priest that the presence of God dwelt in for 20 years. I've been curious to Jeram. He should have known, but why didn't he know? He wasn't taught. There was such this general disrespect to the presence of God. And then Obed comes into his house, Obed does something. He does something. They said it was worship. No, David was worshipping God. David's life was an act of worship. I think it was more than worship. I think it was this. It was extreme honour. He must have said to his kids, don't touch this. This is the ark of the presence of the God of Israel. This is the God of Israel that parted the Red Seas, that destroyed the most powerful nation on the earth, Egypt. This is the God of Israel that opened the Jordan River, that called the walls of Jericho to fall down. Don't touch the. This is the mighty God of Israel. Holy, holy is his name. And no one can touch this but the priests. And they put this on the back of a cart. And only the holy ones anointed by God could touch this. Don't touch it lest you have the same fate. But honor his presence. And so the wife, the kids, he had about 86 in his household. He's a busy man. He had 86 in his household. And they, that's honor, honor, honor. The centurion says, I'm not worthy to be under the same roof. Jesus, I haven't found faith like this in all of Israel. What was it? I said, God, what was I want to do what Obi did. I want my house to be a house so filled with your presence, my own personal house, my marriage, my family, my house, not just my church, my house to be a house that attracts your glory and your presence, your manifest presence, so I can give it away to others. And he says, well, honor me. And I honor God on a daily basis. And I go before God closer than I've ever been before. If you want to... See, God do something in your life that he's never done before. You've got to go somewhere in God you've never been before. You've got to go somewhere in God, in relationship with God you've never been before. If you keep doing the same old, same old, that's all you'll see. And so, well, what can I do, God, that's a bit different? I already spend time with you. He says, it's not the time that I want. And so, I'm not going to tell you exactly what I do, but there's a time I spend with God every day. 
it's more than, you know, it's a time. And in this time, I, I don't ask God for stuff. I don't go with my requests. I don't go with intercession. I don't go with um, an agenda. I don't go wanting anything. I go before, see, the Old Testament priest was anointed to minister to God first. And then, in the Day of Atonement, when he ministered to God, God would speak to him. Then he'd go and minister to the people. That's the order. First, communion with God, the presence of God. Then, let that flow out to others. It's not flow out, flow out to others. It's connect to him first. And so, so what I do, I don't bring my requests. I call it agenda-free, uninterrupted, undisturbed time for God. And I said, I set this amount of time apart, Father, for you and you alone. And I time it. I time it. And I do so much time for the Father, then so much time for the Son, then so much time for the Holy Spirit. Because I want to know them more. Now I've been walking with Jesus for 34 years, but I want to know him more. But it says we can go from glory to glory. I don't want to just know the way I know him. I know the most important thing for this stage of my life is to know him more than I've ever known him. If I want to do more for God than I've ever done, I've got to know him more than I've ever known him. And that is the, the, the pursuit of my life is his presence on a whole greater level. You can look at our church and how God's accomplished through us and over in India and the revival that's happening in India and thousands of people coming to Christ, Muslims and Hindus and communists and the dead being raised. That's nothing to me compared to him. I, I'm not being facetious here. I mean this. And so, so I spend this time, this is what I do. I, I just... I'm spending time on God, not just with him. If you spend money, you can get it back. You can work it. You can, you can invest money. You can spend You can lose it, but you can still get money back. But when you spend time, you'll never get it back. When you spend time, you'll never get it back. You can be the wealthiest billionaire on the earth in the last five minutes of your, of your, of, on the deathbed. And no matter how much money you've got, you cannot get time back. And I believe time is one of the most precious things that we have. Time. And we're sometimes so busy we don't have time for God. And so when I give time to God, it's, it's, it's something I'm spending on God. It's something of great value. Here's my time. This amount of time is only yours. And I, and I bring before him the little that I have, appreciation. I bring my thanksgiving. I bring my gratefulness. I bring my adoration. I don't get carried away in songs because suddenly I get blessed. I'm there to bless God. I'm not there to get blessed. I'm not there to be served. I'm not there to be encouraged. God says, I got many followers, but few friends. I got many followers, but few friends. And if there was a queue lined up before God with needs, it would stretch to eternity. And that's okay, because God says, You have not because you ask not. God loves meeting our needs. There's nothing wrong with that. But the other queue, <laughs> where it's just plain thanksgiving, just gratefulness, asking nothing, probably only about five people <laughs> slipped the queue. I call it the one in 10 queue. There were 10 lepers, and they came for healing, and Jesus healed them all. And only one came back and gave thanks. Because the blessing was more important to these others than the blesser himself. And this fellow wasn't even a Hebrew. He was a Samaritan. The one in 10 Q. Get in the one in 10 Q. And so I, I do this one in 10 meeting with God every day, and I just pour out my adoration. And, and I think, well, what am I going to do every day? I've been doing this for you know, quite a while now. But every day, it's fresh love. It's fresh uh, appreciation. It's fresh 
adoration. It's not yesterday's, it's today. It's alive. It's a living relationship. And I'm having some times with God, man. And we're teaching our people to do this. And they're having some amazing times. And probably about, I don't know, 30% of our church are clicking into this. And when we come together on Sunday, man, it's like the early days. Cancers, sicknesses. Uh, uh, this lady had a big lump in her, in her hand in pain for since last year. It just kept growing, and they said, you need surgery. She just reached out to the God she believed was in our midst, and it disappeared. Before, it just disappeared. Uh, just God. People getting delivered. Chemical dependency being coming out of people's bodies because this is presence. The best thing we can do for our church and our town, our communities, reconnect with his presence, make him number one in our personal lives. See, when David bought the Ark of the Covenant, when David decided to honor God the way it should be honored, not carried on a, on a, donk, on a cart, but carried the way it should be carried, when David began to give honor to, to the Ark the way that Obed gave uh, honor to the Ark, David took six steps, one, two, three, four, five, six. On the sixth step, he stopped and he made a sacrifice unto God. And then took it. So that would have been the seventh step. Then they take another six, seventh sacrifice, six. And it talks about our lives, that it's not about just honoring God in church on Sunday. It's every day of our lives. We should learn how to honor God with our lives, have this relationship with God, go deeper in God we've never been before. On the seventh day when we come together, there's a boom. It's just a corporate manifestation of his glory. But every day through the week, we're, taking the pres- we're honoring God and his presence overflows through our lives, marriage, family, workplace, sports. It's happening, and it's all good. And so that's about, that's about all I'm going to be sharing right now, other than I just want to say thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here. I thank you, and I appreciate you care so much for people, and you care for this people, and just want to pray a blessing. And um, if, if you're feeling this, it's probably been ministered to now, but Dave was talking about if you're feeling it, there's a giant, you know, that there's sins like you're surrounded by, the, by circumstances, and and, and you just need an affi. You just need a bit of encouragement. Just stand up right now. It might be a financial, it might be a, a physical, it might be a health thing, it might be a, a relational thing you're going through. If you just need an affi, just stand. Actually, if you just need a hug. <laughs> if you just need a hug. You need a hug from God. <laughs> okay? Fine, I see these ones who are standing there. They're your, they are, they are your brother and your sister. And so those of you who are sitting, see those standing? Would you just stand up and put, lay your hand on them? Just bless them. Don't, don't prophesy. Don't, don't declare. Don't warfare. Just, just bless them. Just bless them in their situation. We just do that right now. You don't have to try because the Holy Spirit, he's, he's, he wants to be accessed by love and faith. He's accessed by love. Faith worketh by love. And just as you're doing that right now, the Holy Spirit, Spirit he, he's just, he's just come, coming upon people right now. He's just coming upon people right now. He's just coming upon you right now. And now the overflow of your love for your brother, your sister, out of the overflow, it's Christ with us. It's Christ in us. But let it be Christ through us. By this shall all men know we're his disciples, not even by the signs or the wonders, but by our love for each other. Hallelujah. There it is. That's wonderful. And some of you are feeling like there's a, a, a robe being put over your back. A kōrōwai. And it is. It's His presence. See, we're all in His presence. We're accessing this. 
now you, you can just thank you guys thank you guys now the next thing I want to do is if there's anybody here if, okay guys you, might, you can just uh, take your seats again or I just felt there's a couple of things to do Davey hand over to you now if there's anyone here and you've got pain in your back or your shoulder or down your your, your arm would you, you just stand right now pain in your back your hips your, your shoulder and your knees you just stand right now he's in the house I'm telling you there's oil on my hands down here he's in the house because he's attracted he's attracted to you <laughs> he's attracted to your love he's attracted to your appreciation your thanks he's attracted because he loved you before you were born but you're doing something that attracts him see Fano, would you look, open your eyes see those standing now now Christ is in us and he's with us let him throw, flow through us would you just go to those standing now and lay hands upon them and just release the, the healing presence of Jesus right now and he'll heal you he'll heal you those are being prayed for just relax don't try and catch this healing just relax <clears throat> now unto him is able to hold you and keep you from falling Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you for your blessing. We just bless your body. We just bless your body in this place. Amen. Those of you who have been prayed for, just do something you couldn't do now. If you had pain in your body, do something you couldn't do. Move your arm, your shoulder, your back, your neck, your knees. Do something you couldn't do. Just lift your hand up. If you feel there's been an improvement, just hold your hand up. Just hold your hand up. Okay. How many have found an improvement? Just hold it. See, let's get in the 1 in 10 queue. And that 1 in 10 queue is the one who came back and gave glory to God. Yes, God, you did something. So you're the 1 in 10 queue. Just hold your hand up. Okay, that's awesome. Something's happened. Something's happening. Thank you, guys. Now just stay standing or... I want to call out those who've got a blood disorder. Anybody who's got a blood disorder, would you just stand, please? There's a blood disorder and cancer. There's cancer cells or a blood disorder. Would you just stand, please? Blood disorder or cancer, just stand. Okay, there's our sister there. Anyone else? A blood disorder or cancer? Liver issue? And heart, heart problems, heart disease. Okay, Fano, there's one, two, three that are standing here. Would you just go there and just, again, Christ with us, Christ in us, Christ through us. And just lay your hands and, and just bless this person. Thank you, Jesus. You are so wonderful in this house. Almighty God. You are wonderful in this house, Almighty God. You are wonderful in this house, Mighty God. Tahi Rua Toru. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We curse these cells. We curse the cells of cancer. We command, Lord, your curse and your rebuke against these things. And we just bless our sisters and our brothers. Right now, we just call on a divine intervention by your, the touch of Jesus. The touch of Jesus. The touch of Jesus. Now, 
I don't know how you can test this right now. I don't, uh, but I would like you to keep in touch with Pastor Dave and Kate and just just give them updates of your condition because it's hard to test unless you go to a doctor or you'll feel in your body. The woman felt in her body she was healed of the plague. The woman on her deathbed, she felt healed in the, of the plague there. So many people, they feel something happen in their body. And, uh, but you get it verified by going to the doctor. And the final one I want to ask, final, final condition I just feel to pray for is anybody with, uh, it could be a hip replacement, it could be uh, a replacement in your collarbone. We were in a town recently, and um, anybody with metal plates in your, in, your, in your body as a result of accidents, or accident, uh, 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 infirmity, sickness, as a result of accidents, accidents or sports injuries, just stand please. And if there's metal plates in your body, and just stand please. And it's called an aggravation, just stand please. Anyone else? We were down in um, Omru recently, and there's a woman the second time to church. Wasn't even safe. And she had broken her collarbone years before, and she had a metal plate connecting the collarbone. And um, when I prayed this, she started, she also had a tumor in her cheek. And my wife saw her, this woman, doing this to herself and sitting down and shaking her head and standing up. And so, so Jess went down to ask, What's wrong? She said, I had a tumor the size of a pea. It was a, a bigger before it got cut out, but it grown back the size of a pea. I could feel it. She said, it's gone. And she said, Jess, what are you doing this? She says, I'm trying to pinch where my metal plate was. There's no plate there. I can't find the plate. I don't know what God did with it. So she's moving her arm around and, and she's, I'm going to the doctor to tell her what Jesus did. I said, no, Taiho, Taiho, you just go to the doctor and ask Jesus, ask him to check you out. So she did. And, and uh, the doctor checked her out and says, I don't know what's happened. She said, I can't even find the screws. And he's a non-Christian anti-doctor. She says, well, Jesus did it. He went, wow. <laughs> so it's not about boasting about what we do. It's what he does. But you know, I don't know what God will do, but... Just, just, just a couple of sister and a brother there. Would you let just stand and lay hands on our brother, sister over there? Anyone else there? Someone there? Just, um, just, just reach out. Lord, we just ask you to bring healing. You bring healing. And be prepared to do something you couldn't do before. You ready? Jesus, Jesus, touch, touch, touch. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Tahi, roa, toru. Touch, 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 touch. Let the fire of your presence, let it dissolve every infirmity. Let it heal, Lord, where there's scarring and tissue. Scarring, let it heal and just dissolve it right now. Thanks, Son of God. Thanks, Son of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, I actually got this word of knowledge last week when I was at home, but... The Lord said that there's some people here today that it's for, and it's um, to do with anxiety and worry, but um, a week or so ago we were told that the cyclone that was up Auckland Way was going to come and affect Gisborne and around that area, and it actually didn't. And a lot of the time when there's things in our lives uh, that are going about to happen, uh, that we're not looking forward to, we just feel like there's something that's really bothering us about something, something that is about to happen, whether it's in the family or in a business or at your job. Um, but it's like that cyclone. It's, I just feel the Lord saying today for you, if this is for you, 
that it's not going to happen the way that you think, that the storm isn't coming, that sometimes we think things are worse than what they are, and we go into the situation really worried and concerned that this is just going to be a terrible ending, and God's saying that there isn't going to be a storm. And He just wants you to realize that He's already gone into that situation, and He's brought His peace into that situation. And He's just saying, don't worry anymore. Just take his peace. Just stand up if that's you right now. Just stand up right now if that's you. Just stand up. It's a storm that never came. That's what the prophetic one. It was a storm that didn't come. It's what you call the perfect storm. <laughs> because he's a storm stiller. Hold your hands up. Just let that wind of God come upon you now. He settles the storm. He's the one that's in your boat. He's in your walker. And you won't sink. And you're going to get across to the other side. In the name of Jesus. Right now, there's a fragrance in the room. If you're smelling it, just stand up right now. There's a fragrance of His presence. It's like perfume, literally. It's so strong. It's just filling a nostril. Just stand up if you're smelling that fragrance. Oh, taste and see. The Lord is good. Oh, and just breathe it in. Breathe it in. Now, some of you are feeling a wind blow upon you right now. I'm not talking about an imaginary wind, but there's a physical wind blowing right here, right now. You're feeling it. It's physical. Just stand up. Just stand up. I've got to quickly, quickly, just stand. Receive it. Receive it. Some of you are going to sit all across the room. It's just going to begin to blow. It's like a fan blowing on your face. And this is the word. There's, a, there's boats in the, in the harbor, shallow sailboats. And the sails aren't up. And they stay in the shallows. But there are other boats. And they put their sails up. And they catch the wind. And they receive a new momentum. And they go past the boats. So the sails are down. And they go out of the shallows. For God called those boats to go into the deep places and that sail is your heart as you lift it once again to God lift it again to God lift it again to God let Him fill you afresh with the wind of destiny the wind of hope the wind of purpose He has got a plan there's an open heaven and there's a deep well under this funny hair and He wants to raise up His plan and His purpose and complete the good work that He began in this church He wants to complete and perfect it it's 2014 it's a year of double portion seven is the number of completion. There's been two seasons of completion in this house to complete and perfect that which he's about to do starting from 2014 into this decade. You should be launched forth into the seeds that were sown, the dreams that were had 14 years ago, 7 years ago. They're about to come to completion. This is a year of the start of these things. This is a decade of breaking forth. Stand up let that wind of destiny flood you and fill you. There's also fire happening. There's hands getting hot right now. There's feet getting hot right now. There's feet getting hot right now. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of Him who bring good news. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, you're moving by your Spirit. Moving through Aotearoa. Signs and wonders. When God moves, move our Lord through us. Kia ora, God bless you. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much, Pastor Norman, Jess. We're so, um, so impacted and blessed by having you here. And uh, we're so blessed that you're in the neighborhood too. You're only just up the road. And uh, so we're just looking forward to just really growing with you guys and and walking on this journey together. How many people are blessed by Pastor Norman Jess this morning?
I just, um, we just really want to sow into your guys' lives today. And um, so if you may not be prepared or may be prepared. Um, as a church, we're going we're gonna to sow into their lives, we're going to sow into their ministry. We're going to sow into their relations, into relationship with them as well. So um, if you're not prepared to give right now, we're just, you can just put out an IOU or, or something like that. Um, but we're just going to give and sow into your life, guys' lives. And uh, So just as we finish up in worship, first of all, I just want to thank you all for coming today. Uh, thank you so much. and pray that God blesses you. pray that God touches your life. And I look forward to seeing you again really soon. And uh, let's just stand and sing, and uh, let's just sow into Pastor Norman Jess this morning. God bless you You're all I want. You're